friends. <laughs> Hello. We were just briefly talking before we started this to remember to center the goal of making an enthusiastically crowded podcast. <laughs> so let's set the baseline, lower the bar, and try not to outdo ourselves. Okay, so... <laughs> Welcome to our Enthusiastically Crabby Podcast with Raising Luminaries and Revolutionary Humans. We are on season two, focused on collaboration and collective work this spring. This is Asia Ray, and today we're in cahoots with our partner in Degoodery, Bellamy Schaffner. Yay! Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so much enthusiasm. <laughs> so happy to be here. <laughs> So last week's episode was on being a better accomplice on social media, and we talked about how social media creates the illusion of connection while trapping the folks that we want to support, (laughs) Um, and then how to make space for our community members to leave toxic digital spaces if they so choose. So in this episode, we're going to learn how to mind your own damn business, and then three creepy parenting habits common in our generation and how to cut it out. Also... Good ideas to avoid. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and we need like an enthusiastic theme song for this podcast, but I don't know what that would sound like. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I can write a rap. <laughs> nice. A crapple, enthusiastically crappy rap. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. <laughs> You're not going to follow through. You never know. I write songs like every day. No one hears them but my kids and they think they're great. So. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Things about our friends every day. <laughs> okay. So um, our our friend Rachel G, who was in the, the Winter Incubator with us, um, has been such a great supporter and a lovely person. And she responded to one of my um, train posts, which was... Um, <clears throat> the, the post about eight small actions to make a big ass difference this April. And one of the things I asked is what three things do you need to change this year? So she had this amazing, wonderful comment, which was suffocating parenting, which is I find myself way too well up in my kids business. And I'd like to take a few big steps back and let them be well themselves, which is wisdom, pure wisdom. <laughs> Because I feel the same, right? Because our kids needed us to do every single thing for them when they were little. And it's hard to remember like, oh, right, they are no longer one-year-old. And parenting looks different as our kids get older. Yep. 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 <laughs> like, I had this figured out. And, oh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, those reminders. And so, for anyone who needs um, accountability and... Just a reminder to like back off. This is this podcast is for you. <laughs> so today we're going to cover why we need to stop meddling in our kids' business and how that connects with raising kind and courageous leaders to smash the karaoke. Um, how we ourselves are complicit in infantilizing our kids with privilege and also weaponizing childhood innocence to maintain the karaoke. Then we're going to try to quickly address how to transform our most selfish parenting habits into good trouble. And then we'll send you into the world with an assignment. So, (sighs) Bellamy, how are you doing with raising older kids and trying to back off? I, I I think I'm doing relatively well. And I think like this is an exciting topic for me because I've also been forced to have to step back like I didn't really 
um, like I became a single parent as they became older kids. And so like, I don't have the ability or capacity or even the want to be involved in all of their, or many of their, <laughs> many of their like daily choices or interactions and things like that. And then at the same time, as a homeschooler, I'm also constantly with them. So there's a little bit of, of that too, where it's like, it may sound like I'm contradicting myself, but um, I think that I tend to like big picture. I think I want to protect them from schools that are going to send them straight to prison. I want to protect them from uh, kidnappers and like big, big things. And then when it comes to the smaller stuff, I'm like, well, I guess you're going to figure it out. So that is my, that's my balance. And I, I think I do okay with it. I do with my older son I do wish he had more time away from the family, but that's also like a, a byproduct of, of COVID times. Yeah. Yes. And the COVID times make everything so much more complicated. <laughs> like, <That's> right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I have, I'm so confused. I don't know how to be a parent anymore. Not like I ever had a handle on it. I want to be clear. I was never have been, never will be an expert on this, but like, I want my kids to wipe their own bums. What I, uh, and I like, and this, like, I want them to be able to like brush them, their teeth without me reminding them. Like at what point does it become their responsibility that their teeth are going to rot out of their heads? Um, but also I need to protect them. Like I want them to roam free range, but also my kid is autistic and he freaks people out and who's going to call the cops on him. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Let's figure it out. We have we have less than an hour. Let's figure it out. We're going to solve all the problems right now. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Dynamic duo. <laughs> so why we need to stop meddling in our kids' business to raise courageous and resilient leaders. And I think all of us know this, but for any like people who are... Um, probably not listening to this podcast. Um, here's here's the arguments that you can give to your friends who are hovercraft and snowplow parents or whatever the latest shaming title is for parents. Um, you can use these as, as your talking points. So raising kids to dismantle the hierarchy requires resilience training, right? Um, so which requires tapping into previous experiences so kids can self-regulate through panic. Maintain hope in the face of despair and overwhelm. Get curious about pain and discomfort, like reaching into that growth zone. And then somehow tap into some things, tap into some level of resilience so we can keep fighting despite overwhelming force. And we'll talk about how um, being too involved in our kids' lives actually hinders our kids from becoming the people that we want them to be and they would like to be. Um, <clears throat> so when we're talking about how like there's like there's so many fun words for it there's like the snowplow parent which I, I lean towards and I have to back myself off like um shoveling everything out of their path so that way I don't have to deal with the tantrum later <laughs> <laughs> um and then I guess like what was it helicopter and hovercraft parents like the parents who like like just hover just um, hover yeah I, not a hoverer that's that's one thing I can manage to say I I'm just like please go away but <laughs> 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 but if we think about like how why is this urgent that we actually address it now like why can we not wait a couple months or a year to start backing off um for targeted kids for kids who do face um injustice in society um one of the things that keeps us kind of 
surrounding our kids or being really nervous about letting our kids go out and, and get hurt is um, generational trauma, right? Like if we, if we can't let go, if we can't process our own trauma in a healthy way, we're just going to handle that, hand that on. That's what generational trauma is, right? Um, and we don't want them to have all the baggage that we have. Like that's part of being a transformative parent, right? Um, and then there's also the soft bigotry of low expectations. So if we're expecting, and I ooh, say this all the time, like holistic parents who are brand new to the concept of disability or having a disabled family member, where they're like, oh, my autistic child doesn't speak. My autistic child doesn't communicate, which is not true. Everyone communicates, but also the idea that because you're... <laughs> Because your autistic child is not currently able to get a law degree, they never will be able to get a law degree. And there are autistic lawyers out there. So clearly, sometime between birth and adulthood, we do learn how. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Something, <laughs> something changed. There's a whole long, <laughs> so many years. Something changed, right? Like something. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, as parents, we kind of expect our kids to be like this forever. We're like, oh my God, you're never going to get potty trained. And you know, some people don't, and that's okay. But, but you know, like you have this idea of like, because they need you to wash all their dishes for them now, it means you're going to have to do it forever. But, but you have this idea if your kid is developing along a, whatever the, the average pace is, they're like, okay, they'll grow out of this. But for some reason, parents with autistic kids just kind of see us as like, oh no, this is what autism is and they're going to be autistic forever. So they're going to be toddling around like two-year-olds forever. It's like, no, they will be autistic adults. Um, so that creates that soft bigotry of low expectations. And then you end up, uh, that's that's part of where that, that cliff comes from. So there's this concept of the cliff is once you lose all of the legal supports of being in a public education setting or something like that, you, you fall off the cliff and suddenly you have to be an adult because you're 18 and no one trained you to be an adult because they were so focused on training you to make all the holistic people around you happy as opposed to basic life skills. Um, and this, this applies for all kinds of targeted identities, but that was the most salient, ridiculous one that I can think of. It's <laughs> a good one. It, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you think like teachers do this too. Like they expect less of, of black kids, indigenous kids, and Latinx kids, right? Um, so what is that what does that teach our kids about stereotype threat and about what they are capable of themselves? So for kids with privilege, uh, also kind of kneecaps them, but only in a way that targets that hurts targeted kids. So we have that a part of supremacy culture is that expectation of comfort where like our kids should never cry or our kids should never like get hurt or face maybe not mortal danger, but like discomfort or, or like actual broken relationships or do harm or like acknowledge the harm that they have done that they'll never be able to fix, right? Um, so there's this expectation that some kids have a right to comfort and some kids don't. And there's like, there's entire studies about prioritizing innocence, particularly in white children um, where their innocence, not learning about race, not learning about injustice, not learning about the, the harm that they are choosing to do is more important than actually understanding how they contribute and how what what roles they play and what power they hold um and that is a form of of like i don't know snowplow parenting there's got to be a word for that it, that isn't just white parenting <laughs> <laughs> no let's call it that let's call it white white parenting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Okay, so oh, there's gonna be like I want to be like miasma. Apparently, there's like a miasma around, like a like like a blob, like a bouncy ball. Apparently, where you surround your child in a bouncy ball. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I it just I don't know why it reminded me of like that that bubble soccer where you put the bubble on and just I don't know it bubble soccer parenting <laughs> bubble soccer parenting. <laughs> <laughs> like you're bouncing off other people, you're running them over, you're sending them yep. field. Yep. <laughs> but you're okay. And you're perfectly okay. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and both of these, everyone is impacted by this because we're raising our kids to have learned helplessness. Like think of how many parents for how many generations have raised their assigned male at birth children to be like, oh, I don't know how to do that dishes. That's too hard for me. Or like, I'm not a natural caregiver. And the same thing with, you know, what we treat, how we teach our, our feminine uh, kids about like car maintenance and changing the oil, right? <sighs> <laughs> okay. And then all of this is rooted in scar- scarcity and ignorance. That idea that staying ignorant um, is safer for everybody, or even that um, there's only so much power, and therefore, if we acknowledge our power, then we'll lose it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, just I don't know, not disclaimer, scaffolding or something, but be kind to yourself and be kind to others. So, like, I know that this is a common parenting issue: the the need to protect our kids, but also like wondering what what to let go on. So when we fear, when we find ourselves beating up on ourselves or judging other parents about coddling, um, just reality check that coddling, what looks like coddling might be, and probably actually is a trauma response, like from our own childhoods and from the stories we grow up hearing about families like ours, um, or the only or best protection against actual, real, dangerous systemic injustice, such as the school-to-prison pipeline. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you keep your kids home? And, you and like, homeschooling is coddling. Like, no, it's keeping nope. them in prison. Just trying to keep them out of jail. That's yeah. all. <laughs> Just trying to keep them out of jail. And, if, and a lot of people don't, be, if they, especially if they don't have a history of teachers physically and mentally abusing their students, um, they don't really understand how dangerous public schools can be, right? Like how many people right. have a teacher strangle them? <laughs> right, right. Now, while I grew up thinking that was a common occurrence and everyone experiences it at least once, um, apparently some don't. Turn, turns out it's not. I, I mean, I had a teacher once tell my best friend's class that I was a prostitute. Wow. Does that happen to everybody? Probably not. <laughs> Seems like no. Like, <laughs> What topic were they stuck? How I got involved in the conversation in a class that I was not in, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I do have a history of making a big splash wherever I go and where, whether I intend to or not. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that will, whatever happened led to, led to a, a teacher tirade about me being a prostitute. <laughs> And it's like also whatever to to the point where my friend was like, he was talking about you. So I don't know how specific it was, but he knew it was about me. That is so bizarre. Okay. It's so bizarre. But yeah, teachers should not ever strangle um, or, or, or uh, I don't know. I, I, like I, cause like 
I don't care if someone's a prostitute, but the teacher obviously was saying it to be like a harmful thing. Like that is just the, the things that people do is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just, that's like more big things, but there's softer things, right? There's like, just, just that expectation that some kids aren't going to do that well. Or like some teachers saying like, take it easy on some kids and, and just like, you, you can do better on this, um, to other kids. So, yeah. but that, that response, like, like we said, keeping our kids out of these spaces might look like an extreme response, but it's, it's actually usually sometimes the only option, right? And then there's also picking our battles wisely. Like sometimes, like I still wash my seven-year-old's hair in the shower because it's hard to get him in there. And if he's going to be in there, I really need the, what is it? Like ketchup. I need the ketchup out of there so he doesn't rub it on my pillow. Like that's, <laughs> that's not just a him problem. It's a, like he just grows. So, you know, and every time I'm like, okay, when you're 14, I need you to figure this out. <laughs> let's just get this over with. Cause I need to start dinner and then we need to get a bed. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to wash my kids hair because they have black hair and it would be almost impossible for them to do it by themselves. So it's, but, but that's the thing. Like, that's like a, I have to do, do I go in and like scrub them down? No, but I, if I have to suffer through the hair washing, which I personally hate <laughs> and like, it's not like I'm, I'm not doing like a great service um, to them by doing it. None of us like it. Yeah. So, And then there's just like, I don't know. I'm hoping at some point they grow into the age where like their arms can detect all of the parts of their body. Right. right. <laughs> like, I want it to be four. Apparently it's not. <laughs> and based on many of the grown men I have dated, I am not sure all people actually grow into it. So maybe never, maybe never. Yeah. Same. But like, plus afros, which are just so hard, like, and they just keep letting the afros get bigger. And I'm like, or you could cut it <laughs> anyway. It's a, that's a, yeah, that's a, <laughs> it's a personal struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my oldest wears his hair super long and he won't brush it. So it's just, I'm like, that's a you yeah. problem, a me problem because like I'm getting notes home about you looking uh, neglected. and Right, right. I'm like, you understand you can't go out like this. People, like people will not, like we don't care if people judge us, but we do care if someone takes you away yeah. because your hair has not been brushed in six months. <laughs> like we, we and then also, but you don't want to traumatize them and be like, the government's coming for right. your guns. <laughs> right. It's a real, there's a real fine line there where you're like, <laughs> I need you to be worried and also not like unnecessarily tortured, like an, in a, in a, like an age inappropriate, like, hey, the <laughs> CPS will come for us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so be kind to yourself, be kind to others. It's okay to pick your battles wisely. It's never okay to judge someone else. Well, I mean, you can judge them if you want. You can silently judge them. <laughs> um, but if the kid is not in danger, just leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, oh, do, 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 do. It's time for our good ideas to avoid segment. All right. Okay, so what, wouldn't it be fun? And I'm sorry, I'm just picking these random. I'm, I'm the one who's choosing them. Bellamy, feel free to interject with any good ideas to avoid. Um, but to, I sent a series of texts and videos to Bellamy of, of my haircut. <laughs> my haircut is a good idea to avoid. 
So I think it's such a great idea. (laughs) So past history, I grew up in a hair salon, so I don't pay for haircuts because that's ridiculous. Um, I'm like, I can do that. I cannot. But but, um, so typically I usually cut my own hair. Um, but I have something called apparently frozen shoulder where my left shoulder will not raise more than 30 degrees away from my body, which means I have not been able to like deal with my hair in about 10 months or so. Um, so I've been keeping it shaved and then I grew it out and it turned into, um, I don't know, whatever, when you Google Asian hair that sticks straight out of your head, that's what it looks like. It's it is not attractive like an afro it very is just, specific google right it's a very specific like because <laughs> if, if you search for it, it is commonly called an asian fro but if you search for an asian fro you get asian people with perms so oh yeah not, <laughs> not what you're going for right <laughs> uh so it just doesn't look good it looks just bad i can't think of a better word um i'm trying to grow it out without being able to like slick it down with gel or do anything it's awful so I finally lost my patience and I'm like you know what we have in our house is a floby and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with daytime infomercials from the 90s I mean who wait no I'm sorry who doesn't know what a floby is is that possible rich people I think oh okay okay watching trash tv in the middle of the day they had like summer camp that's my Uh theory Okay, but I'm just, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, like, I bet rich people have flobies. No, they have hairdressers. Oh. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> and I only know they had hairdressers because I grew up in a hair salon and all my mom's clients were super wealthy. And I'm like, you paid how much for a haircut? <laughs> You're like, never. I'm buying a floby. <laughs> my mind because my mom was so disgusted by this concept she's like how dare (laughs) that's not gonna end up okay and it's true it doesn't most people have terrible haircuts so uh my partner however has like this very fine straight hair that does not stand up enough for me to buzz it like it just flops over it's i don't know it's it's weird so i was like during the pandemic and also i can't raise my shoulder I can't cut his hair I'm like I know I'll buy him a flow be a pandemic <laughs> I, <laughs> we needed a segment about pandemic purchases also George Clooney uses a flow and he cuts his own hair and he's famous for his haircut I, so I have heard this <laughs> so, <laughs> seems, checks out just, just, just his haircut <laughs> he's famous for nothing else no one <laughs> we wouldn't know him otherwise like I already kind of like I don't know that much about him he seemed like a nice guy his wife seems cool but then I heard he has a phobia and I'm like damn that is a down-to-earth man yep yep it's a guy I want to know <laughs> or do you <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so we have this phobia in my house it works wonders on my partner's hair it is lovely um however it is not and they they do quietly in like the sidelines on the website be like, this is not for like, this is not for textured hair. <laughs> like, is there like very white way of saying this is only for white people? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so tiny prank. with my stiff, thick Asian hair, um, it just kind of, my hair just mocks the floby. It just like, I have to wiggle it in to get it into the little suction tube. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. I just want to say that I know whoever is listening to this podcast, when they started this podcast, they did not expect that they were going to get a, a Floby anti-tutorial. <laughs> it's wonderful for white hair. Go for it. <laughs> uh, all the beauty stuff, like laser hair treatments and, and Flobies and all kinds of things, all made for white people. Yep. But, uh, well, no one else exists, so... So I'm like, okay, I can't cut my hair. I cannot manage this hairdo. I can only cut the right side of my head, but not the left. <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> but also, who's like, this is terrible. I know what'll make it better. <laughs> Add Floby. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I also have not been sleeping. Maybe I'm not thinking that straight because the frozen shoulder. <laughs> like I wake up screaming sometimes, you know. Okay. So sad. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I know what to do. I have this floby. Why not use it? I'm like, I have a little shop back. You get you have to wear earplugs. It is so loud. So this is the part that I wanted to understand. Is you a a floby? connects to a regular vacuum like you need a strong vacuum though so you need a shop so what the hell is the point of the floby part so the floby is a tube with a motorized um like like um guillotines like little tiny guillotines (laughs) okay (laughs) it's not a buzzer it's little tiny guillotines in a chute and then okay into the chute and you hook it up to your vacuum cleaner so while the guillotines are running and that's loud then it sucks it into the vacuum which is also loud and you're in a bathroom so just... I just I, okay <laughs> I just don't know that I ever knew that people were dragging their vacuums <laughs> into into the bathroom or whatever and like I'm flobying Bring the Hoover. It's I time mean, to use the Floby. I'm so or or they're cutting their hair in the garage. Or <laughs> or that. I just had no idea. Like <clears throat> this it really opens my eyes um to a lot of things. It seems like <laughs> it seems like if you were gonna like invent uh, something as a, like a Floby, the suction would be part of the invention. Yeah, I think they sell they sell a separate vacuum cleaner. Um, unfortunately, during the pandemic, most floby parts were sold out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> super popular pandemic purchase! Like, you want to buy stock in floby for the next pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> or better, if you can afford it, join a bubble with your hairdresser. Right, <laughs> that might really be the key. It might be better and it might save you a lot of grief and my haircut. So I can cut the right side. I cannot cut the left side. So I'm like, I know I'll use this phobia I have. I know it's never worked for me in the past, but maybe. And it did not. (laughs) But when you showed me your hair, what you said was there's less of it. And that is true. And isn't that all we ever want from a haircut? We just want less of it. Like we don't need it to to be fancy we don't need anyone to be able to see it without laughing we just need there to be less hair i think i think I, and you this accomplished is it third worst haircut because 
growing up in a hair salon, you have assistants. It's like an uh, almost an internship kind of situation. So the assistants need someone to practice on. So they practice on the daughters of the other hairdressers. <laughs> I've had um, Dallas news anchor hair. <laughs> I've had 80s mom, uh, 80s stay-at-home mom, uh, severe haircut. <laughs> I had um, something that looked, I don't know, I can't describe it. It was like a little poof on the side of my head. <laughs> 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 and all of these were white ladies and they had no idea how to cut Asian. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, trying to cut my curly, stick straight, very coarse, thick, somehow combo hair. Um, I ended up looking like a mix of Grace Kelly. Uh, no, sorry, Grace Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like severe flat top, like iconic look, and Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but not nearly as attractive as either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> today on good ideas to avoid floby haircuts <laughs> floby haircuts don't do it and you i'm gonna in two years i'm gonna come back to it and be like it wasn't that bad maybe i can do it it was the flat one but it was like uneven so it was higher on one side <laughs> <laughs> but i just want to say because i i'm laughing hysterically but also i have i have also given myself a bad haircut and i just keep it all the time covered so yeah. I default to having a haircut that exists to make other people laugh but this was this was like almost a cruelty I have done to myself yeah it's like it wasn't the intention and yeah and there's no coming back from, from it and I think it's different when like I like my arms are still functioning anytime <laughs> I want to fix my haircut I can fix it I'm just like it's so low on my priority list yeah I just won't do it I want to go outside without a hat on um, sometime. Yeah. And I cannot. And like, what happens? Like, what happens when we start having like play dates with people or they want to come inside my house? And like, I don't know. It's 80 degrees. I'm inside my house. I had to take off my hat. I don't know. I'm, I'm planning. I think, I think you just said that it's a family tradition to keep a knit hat on during play dates. <laughs> It's, it's where you store the snacks. Take like, this hat off. You're just not going to be able to take me seriously. Right. <laughs> it's just, you don't want to know what's under here. You don't want to know. <laughs> it's just, it's bad. I actually wore um, a scarf, um, a scarf on my head for like six months once because I got one very bad haircut and I had to go in for a job interview so like I went for the job interview wearing the scarf um, and then I just kept it on for six months and then I took it off when it was long enough for my hair to grow out <laughs> and they're like oh you have hair and like answer I don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like I don't know what's happening here yeah yeah and I don't know I can't pull off a scarf very well I look ridiculous it does not look elegant and pretty on me you pull off a scarf very nicely oh thank you so much just many years of practice. <laughs> like practicing your face <laughs> I have scar face it's, it's, a, it's a little like scar face but not it's <laughs> oh, 
about joining the luminary brain trust I'm gonna put because every week we have a friday failure party and this is this is this week's failures there will be pictures of me and my parents grace jones and scully from <laughs> but also like what if what if the way we we told genetics was by haircuts <laughs> I made tell me cry. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. And you imagine if you were like, yeah, I know that's her mom because of her haircut. Like <laughs> I made tell me cry so hard she's using her scarf to work. <laughs> what do you mean you're I can <laughs> the real pur- purpose of Scarface is to wipe my tears <laughs> when I laugh really hard. Oh, this is just a podcast of like 15 solid minutes of laughing if you like get to it. <laughs> I think it's worth it. Uh, I like the Overcast app. You can like skip and speed things up. It's nice. It's helpful. Yes. Can't get a grip. Okay. <laughs> That's the end of good ideas. Thank thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to rip a lung. I saw in the news last night a guy ripped his lung from masturbating too hard. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, dear. (laughs) But also, how did that end up on the news? (laughs) (laughs) Who did he tell? whole new weapon like this is going to weaponize all of the what is it anti-fat the anti-fat movement where they're like you'll go blind and you'll rip <laughs> masturbate early often and maybe a little gentler <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> is that a hipaa violation uh, that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying that's what i first think of like hello hipaa i was like what who did he tell he had no. to told you know he left and he posted it right on Reddit as soon as he got home. Right, from- right. Hey, guys. <laughs> Guess what I did. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay, well, um, swift healing, sir. Okay. <laughs> no comment, sir. <laughs> And you know what? I also wanted to give a quick shout out before we forget. Um, I started this new process where I'm like, okay, everybody in my community, I'm going to keep posting stuff, but I'm going to need some feedback because it feels like I'm shouting into a void and it's making me a little bit like anxious. So if like I now have calls to action that are like, just click a thing or do a response or anything, make a comment. Comments are really nice because that like, it's just so wonderful. Even if it's just like a thumbs up. So great. Um, But there's specific people, Rebecca, Rachel, Michelle, Caitlin, Lynette, Adrian, and Megan all made these lovely comments 
um, with feedback that I can like use and make things better. And I am so thank you. So now when I get these betraying alerts, those little numbers at the top, when I log in, instead of getting a number and being like, Oh no, something terrible happened. (laughs) Because it's usually something terrible. Usually. Right? Um, Now it's like, oh, someone left a comment. And if there's one terrible thing, it's okay because there's four nice things. So it's... it's Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like you make make such a good point. And it reminds me of what we talked about last week. But you make a good point that, like, if all you ever see is... Oh, you have you're you're making four less dollars per month because so and so left the left your Patreon. And it's like it's it is a little um a lot disheartening over time. And I, I yeah, I have such a hard time getting people to actually comment on Patreon. It is I thus far mostly unsuccessful. There's so many places to comment. We have website, we have um the the podcast posts, we have the train, we have our little individual groups on different spaces. So many places to comment. Just let us know you're alive. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, okay. And then that helps us know what to focus on because we end up doing a billion things because we don't know like how many people are, are following this one thing that we're doing. And if if no one responds to say focus on this, this is helping, then we end up having to keep doing all of the irrelevant stuff. So feedback is important and lovely. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, what we were talking about. Oh, 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 being parents who smothered our children. Okay. So back to it. So seriousness. Okay. <clears throat> did, I, yes. did I promise to, to help everyone recognize the three creepy parenting habits that slowly destroy your relationships as your kids get older. That's like a nice clickbaity thing, right? Keeps you, keeps you engaged. Yep. Maybe they're like, they're spinning through all the laughter, like get to it. <laughs> <laughs> promise to tell me how I'm creepy. Okay. <laughs> how am I ruining my kids? I must know. <laughs> oh, okay. This is going to be a life-changing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for somebody it will be i'm sure of it four people are gonna go and buy a floby yep <laughs> yep <laughs> and everyone will know how not to tear their lung <laughs> so doing doing our good good deeds for the day um so there's one two three trying to be our kids friends having porous boundaries and preventing our kids pain for our own comfort and then emotional incest which is expecting to be privy to everything about your kids what's going on emotionally with them and then also oversharing with them so we can go into a little bit more depth into all of these um so trying to be our kids friends because friends are supposed to be like this thing that we want to be with people um but and i love my mom very good mom but she used to routinely be like, are we friends? And you have to say yes, because she's your mom and she has power over you and be like, yeah, we're friends. But dude, I don't want a friend. I want a mom. (laughs) Right. And also friends has to involve some level of acknowledging your power or having some power with each other. And you can leave a friendship and your friend can't destroy your life. So so (laughs) like, it's like your boss being like, we're good friends. You're like, ah. <clears throat> not so much yeah so his, his consider it maybe don't be your kids friends maybe it's possible with older kids when they're adults and they have some power to go no contact if they need to but it is i feel like it's actively unhealthy to try and be our kids friends when they're you know younger our kids ages yeah, yeah. 
Yep, I agree. Um, so yeah, don't try and be their friends. Get other friends. Get your own friends. You need your own friends. <laughs> uh- <laughs> like imagine, and it's also so silly because like imagine if I, <clears throat> if I was like my best friend is this seven year old boy. Like what? <laughs> like no. <laughs> I once dated a guy whose mom was his best friend and it was weird I I can imagine it would be (laughs) no (laughs) no no thank you my best friend is a seven-year-old yeah it's always a little bit interesting you know like you have age gaps in romantic relationships and you're like this person's 30 years younger than me I'm like what do you talk about but all them and I get along with my kids. I love talking with them and stuff, but I also, um, they're not my friends. <laughs> right. And I'm routinely telling them, I am not your playmate. I am the person who keeps you safe and alive. So I can't watch you play Minecraft for 10 hours. Like this is both for me and for you. Yes. <laughs> it's for the, <laughs> the greater good of society. Really. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. And then <laughs> porous boundaries. Like we, <clears throat> we understand the concept of boundary pushers. I think even everyone's talking about boundaries. Very few of us know how to build them. I'm still working on it. Um, but this concept of porous boundaries uh, really gets in our way because we have a hard time, especially in our in our community where we feel so strongly about um, inclusion and seeing our neighbor as ourselves and, and globalism. Um, we're always pushing to dissolve the identities between us as opposed to just identifying who are we, who are the people around me, who are the people I'm trying to help, and just being clear on where we start and they begin, we end and they begin. Um, And we do this with our kids because, I mean, um, our kids, when they're little, feel like a piece of our body that has been ripped out. And this isn't just for bio, biological kids. This is adopted kids too, right? Like our kids are, are, are a part of us. It's like an organ that is near and dear to us. And if any damage happens to them, it's so painful. Um, it's like your arm just leapt off and just started playing with the kitchen knives. <laughs> so, but that boundary, it has to, you have to build stronger boundaries and you have to like, and it's very painful. You actually have to like, create distance between you and your kids and you have to create an idea of oh this is a me issue this is a me problem this is my um, decision and action and my history and that's their decisions and actions and history Um, so we always have I don't know I have very porous boundaries and I'm working on plugging up those holes (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like, but what happens with, especially for things like um, tendencies for codependency, where we need other people to rely on us, which is just parenting. Um, (laughs) Like, how do we turn, how do we keep our parenting relationships from becoming a codependent relationship? Because I don't think anyone wants to be that parent who's like butting in on their kids, I don't know, honeymoon, whatever intimate things that they do. Um, But that is always about a codependent relationship is always about taking care of others because their discomfort hurts us, not actually about the other person, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's great books about it. We talk about it in the Luminary Brain Trust a lot. Um, but basically, Google pours boundaries and how to not <laughs> with your children. That's our goal to action. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, and then there's also emotional incest. Ew, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot the word for incest while I was writing up these notes and I was like, like parentheses, the word where parents 
cousins marry each other, but emotionally, like. (laughs) 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 So emotional incest is still abuse because um, that concept of our kids having to take on the mental and emotional labor of caring for us in a way that is not appropriate for them. And the same thing is as our kids grow, like us expecting to be privy to like stuff that they would tell their friends or their lovers or their colleagues and expecting to like be connected to that part of their lives is actually kind of harmful to them. So getting clear with our kids about like, oh, that's that's something you can discuss with a friend or even just making sure that they have a security network. Like that is standard 101 on teaching our kids about consent and grooming and, and protecting them from predators is helping them establish a security network of people they can talk to, particularly people who we are not personally connected with. Um, Because if we cross a line, they need a safe person to go to. So this, this is already something we've already started. So why not just, you know, be like, Hey, that is a thing I'm willing to listen to if you want, but like (laughs) I tell my kids without going into too much detail, I'm like, you don't want this memory of of like of doing this in front of me (laughs) like you don't (laughs) like I know you think it's fine now just trust me you're just gonna want to do that alone in your room (laughs) right (laughs) okay so how do we stop being creepy I don't know Bellamy if you have any ideas off the top of your head before info dump how do you not be creepy Hmm. how to not be creepy um I don't know like I you know I'm just trying to trying to think through it realistically and I just like people like I've had the weird kind of fortune of being around so many families and um, like in people's homes and working with families and working with kids and like people are so this is gonna sound judgmental it could be um Inflated soccer ball parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that like people are just so willing to completely deny their own kids' like f- fallibility and like just truth and uh, like humanity in a way. Like kids are human, which means they make mistakes. You don't have to lie about what they did. You don't have to pretend it didn't happen. You don't have to. Um, always be like making excuses or um and you don't and you don't also you don't have to interject yourself into every single thing that happens with a kid I don't I don't know like I I I just feel like how to stop being creepy is like don't like back up like they're whole separate people like get (laughs) like (laughs) just back up like they're separate people doing separate things and I mean, at the same time, like, of course, of course, I, I protect my kids in a, a million different ways every day. And also, I just know that, I don't know, not even not even just mistakes, like they're going to make mistakes. And then also people are going to make mistakes in their direction. And there is no protecting them from everything. And I've had people like I've had other parents just like lie to my face about things that happened with kids. And I'm like, I, I saw it happen, but if you're so convinced that your kid has to be perfect because you have to be perfect, then we're getting nowhere. And it is, I don't know, how to be creepy is don't be creepy. 
go sit, sit down somewhere and see what happens. Like sometimes I just like sit back and see what happens and see, you know, like how do they handle things? Cause how do you, you don't know, how do you know how your ha- your kid can handle things or deal with things or manage things if you never allow them the space to do it or to figure it out? Yeah. And I think part of it is because we start out having to do everything for them. Like when my kids were little and they were fighting, at some point I would have to interject before they got like, it got way out of hand. Right. But then at some point you have to stop. Right. So you're not when they're 15 years old running into the room as they're having a mild argument and be like, okay, let's facilitate this. (laughs) But but it's hard to remember like, okay, today is the day when I stop interjecting. Like today is the day I hand them the washcloth. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk you through this as you do it yourself. So I get a lot of people being like, well, if I, how do I make sure that they're bathed? And I'm like, just, you know, try it, try letting them do it themselves. And then, and then if they don't, you can walk them through it. And if they can't, then you keep washing them. And then you try again next week. It's like, you need a, a weekly reminder to be like, okay, right. what? one thing I'm gonna try and see if they can handle even though it was a horrible disaster last (laughs) um and it's just constant experimentation which is exhausting and not fun but 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 also like be realistic what is what's the end of the world if they don't get bathed exactly the way you would do it yeah like that alone is like this sense of it has to be done the way I would do it or the way I want it done or the way I've done it since they were born or whatever like maybe it doesn't like maybe it doesn't have to be that way and also maybe there is a a process by which they learn to get it to that point yeah yeah we had a lot of um a long time ago when I published the thing about consent and like getting your kids consent for everything possible and they're like well I need to bathe my children I'm like maybe you don't though like (laughs) (laughs) yeah um okay so Um, I'm thinking in terms of this, if we make it methodical, identifying our spheres of control, like getting like just getting a piece of paper and writing it out and being a little bit clear, because it's very easy to think, knowing how the activism that we do and the way that we raise our kids is going to ripple out throughout history, right? Um, What I do now impacts the climate, which impacts people all over the world. So it's the, the internet and the way that things work right now is we feel responsible for everything so having a diagram and then like writing all the things we're responsible for and then getting a little bit more realistic about how many things can you actually fit in your little shopping basket of stuff you can actually control um and what's what what do you influence so it's what you control in the center the outer circle the middle circle is what do you influence and then the outer circle is like just shit beyond your control like we can donate money and i don't i don't know what else we can do about ukraine right but but we can't control what Russia is doing in Ukraine, right? Um, <clears throat> most of us, I don't know, Putin, if you're listening to this, sit down, back off, right? Back off, back you up. <laughs> Just back off. Just back off. Right? <laughs> Putin is a classic, classic yeah. parent. <laughs> burn okay I'm just gonna go on the record here and say no comment (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) to to 
soon to joke about what an asshole Putin is. No, it's always been a good time to joke. Yeah, about. I mean, yeah, that's evergreen. And we have to laugh about terrible things. We get the bingo chart. We have to yeah. laugh. We promise. This is how we make it through. <sighs> but also, and I do want to say, the president of Ukraine, that video of him dancing in like nine inch heels, hot. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> he is glory to Ukraine. Okay. So creating boundaries between our own identity and decisions and our actions and how our kids have their own identity, decisions and actions, like, like really understanding that back off separate people, uh, put some, put some, put some, some stuff in between you guys. And then also we've been harping on this when you're supporting someone, let's look at through this, this through a lens of childism, right? Where as an adult, we have the power as children, we expect them to bend to our will and conform for our comfort. But asking if they want advice, like I've been trying to practice this for a long time. It's, um, it's much easier now that they're out in the world and not stuck in our house isolation style where they're, they're having arguments with teachers and with other kids. And I have to pause and be like, do you want advice or do you just want me to, do you just want to vent? And unfortunately all of his responses are growls and headbutts. So it's very unclear, (laughs) but at least I'm asking. So I can model that for him when he is older and has um, a tendency to mansplain or info dump. Um, And then asking, like we said in every single podcast, what does support look like for you, right? Like maybe our support or barreling in and yelling at a teacher is not what they want. Um, You know, treating your children like people. They're people too. Yeah. But also getting really explicit on the kind of support we will not provide. Um, Because if we've always done it this way, if we've always washed all their dishes, and then one day we're like, no, I'm not doing that. And then you suddenly get angry at them, which guilty, that's me. Like, I'm just like, I'm done with this forever now. (laughs) Screw you guys. You're like, it's been nine years times 365 days. And today's the day where I don't have to take it anymore. (laughs) I definitely remember having like a six month old baby and Quill was doing something that babies do. And I was like, dude, we talked about this. <laughs> I feel like it was not a weird thing for me to say at the time. And then another mom happened to be watching and she just started laughing. It's <laughs> a very cute sentiment. <laughs> like, if it had not fully sunken into my head that once I told him one time, we will not be eating boogers off the floor. That means that blanket thing. Like you actually need to tell them over and over and over again. Yep. Yeah. A couple years ago, I started asking Kate, like, how many, how long do you think I've been asking you to chew with your mouth closed? And he was like, probably about five or six years. And I I was like, facts. (laughs) Please, please just close your fucking mouth. And you know, they're just going to keep doing it until they get shamed by some other kid, right? Yeah, exactly. The, exactly. Like, everything we say does not matter until, like, one, like, one, like, jerk kid makes a, makes a nasty comment. And they'll be like, oh, oh. Yep. Someone who matters cares. Okay, then. Right. <laughs> yeah, and the, I mean, and that alone is just such a good reminder to back off. Like, if it's not, like, the the mouth the chewing stuff it's an it's annoying and it's hard to eat with the sound of it happening 
but it's such a good reminder that like we have some influence but we definitely don't have all the influence and sometimes you just gotta like just let it let it go and let them be yeah Um, and we're also allowed to be like, you know what? That's gross. I'm not eating with you. Right. Like, right. Like, I cannot partake in this. <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so getting clear on what support you will no longer be providing with uh, some notice, hopefully. Um, but it's also, it's okay to get fed up because these dudes are annoying. Yep. Um, and then also don't make your baggage their problem. No emotional incest. Ew, don't do it. Find some friends. Like, find mm-hmm. friends. We have our own little gathering spaces. We have our accountability groups. Um, we got When We Gather for Revolutionary Humans, Luminary Brain Trust. This is where we process that stuff. Don't put that on your kids. Bring it to other grownups who are also processing that stuff. Playdates. Um, you know, and... I understand therapy is not accessible for everybody. Not everyone can find a therapist who understands them and is reasonable or afford it. So this is why these smaller groups like this are very helpful. Um, And just, yeah, show up for other people and without expecting that they will show up for you. But I mean, it's more likely that you'll be able to make real grown up friends whose butts you don't have to wipe. (laughs) Or or maybe you do. (laughs) Disability care. Who who can say? Yeah. Yeah your friends butts if that's what support looks like for them okay so i want to make sure i'm not potty shaming anyone so call to action um bellamy has a Substack newsletter and she writes these amazing articles on it because a lot of what she talks about is um creating space right like i don't know how to the words you make are good words, and I can't make my words explain the words that you were. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say it that way? <laughs> like, my brain's like, oh, this automatically, go to Bellamy Substack, this helps with the thing we're talking about, but I can't find the... <laughs> no, because it's like a, it's like a weird, magical, like... Is subvert the right word? Like subversive. Yeah. See, I can't call you weird and magical, but you can call yourself weird and magical. I mean, but also it sounds conceited, so maybe I shouldn't have. But like it's like <laughs> it's <laughs> weird and witchy. <laughs> I mean a very like it's a this is humble. Like I mean it in a humble way. But like it's just like it's weird. Like I'm not like here are the things that are wrong with the world and here's what you can do. I'm more so like here are the things that are wrong with my life. And I, <laughs> and I hope interesting way. And I hope it inspires you to move throughout the, the land more compassionately and I, more it's, like it's some of it. I'm in the boat with you. That's that's what it is. It's like I'm in the boat with you. You're not the only one who's like having a hard time, but also we'll get out of this. There's hope. There's hope in there, right? Yeah. Um, and then I also have this series on our Patreon um, feed in our little content library, which I'll link to both of these things, but um, about dismantling entitlement and raising resilient kids. And a lot of what we talked about touches based on this in a very shallow way, but it goes into a deep, long rant about subversion, um, raising kids to have reasonable age appropriate pain and discomfort and being there for them and showing up in a way that is supportive, but not creepy. Um, so read those, 
and or <laughs> commit like comment on the podcast which is at booksforlittles.com forward slash podcast and you'll find the episode at the top of the page um or leave a voicemail um to let us know you can connect with us on the anchor app or through i actually have a google voice so leave us a call oh, it, ask us questions yes. so leave a voicemail at 781-342-0486 and i think it might the voicemail will probably say like asia ray photography or something very old but you can call me and I want people to let us know what is one decision in the consequences you are expecting slash worried about that you feel ready or not quite ready to hand off to your kid this month, this month. Right. Um, so like, let's look at this as an accountability process. We're like, okay, I can do this one thing. I can have my kid wash their own cups, <laughs> schedule their own damn play dates. <laughs> Get on the phone, Billy. It's time to make your play dates. I'm not your secretary. (laughs) Whenever I want to make the kids, like, inspire them towards taking on some of the emotional labor, I read, um, there's this book about, oh, the Yule Tompt or something. There's one about a a woman Tompt and she's like doing all the emotional labor of making sure that her husband gets his Christmas porridge. It's such a good book. I talk about it in, on the Books for a Little site someplace. I can't remember. Anyway, but that's such a good book. I'm like, do you see how this woman is running circles around these men? And they're like, oh, we don't want to be like that Tompt. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. So the plan moving forward is with spring being about building relationships so we can work towards collective action in the summer and moving forward. We're going to put some links in the show notes. Again, that's booksforlittles.com forward slash podcast on the top of the page. And then um, listen. Um, So Bellamy's going to have, in When We Gather, she's going to have a um, book club. And we're discussing the first chapter is coming up, I think, in a week or two. And we're going to be discussing the first chapter of All About Love. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Where it's clarifying, and this is very helpful for me, the difference between loving someone and caring for someone. Um, There's a nice clean line there or cleaner line there, which makes it interesting because if you don't define what love looks like, then you might, um, you know, get some of those more porous, porous boundaries. Right and maybe be abusive behavior and calling it love um and then also likely yeah and then take accountability join the luminary brain trust um i do want to say that on april 30th which is only like less than two weeks away i'm going to be doubling the rate so if you want to get grandfathered in uh that's at patran.com slash books for littles in the luminary tier all the tiers are doubling in price on on april 30th um, but if you want to get into the Luminary Brain Trust, which is currently a Facebook group, but it's going to be moved over to the website soon, um, now is the time to join. And then supremacy culture, trauma stewardship, all the stuff you actually need to not be a creepy parent. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, wait, I have one more thing to say. Yeah. Um, about all of this, which is if you have more than one kid, please, please, please remember that they are different and they need different things and no matter what you are deciding that you like will or won't do with one it may not be what the other one needs I think that's very important yeah it is really hard not to compare them and be like well your brother lost all of his baby teeth by this age what are those (laughs) what's wrong with you kid yeah like (laughs) (laughs) not the guys out 
being the tooth fairy. <laughs> <laughs> I told my kids the other day, I was like, mm, your tooth fairy is, oh, she sucks. She <laughs> dropped the ball. <laughs> she dropped the ball about two years ago, never picked it back up. <laughs> my young one has been insisting he's the tooth fairy since he was like two years old. He's like, it's me. <laughs> and then one time, we forgot put a coin under his pillow and the next day <laughs> the next day he's like why didn't she come and Nathan said something alluding to the idea of maybe she's pissed that you were pretending to be her <laughs> oh that's good that's yeah, it's good it's bad but it's good <laughs> he wrote us an apology letter to us <laughs> oops <laughs> I was like no it's okay man she doesn't mind <laughs> I just totally okay. That was I just got caught in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> we could have. I think we could do a whole podcast about Tooth Fairy, like the Tooth Fairy and how it plays out in our homes. Because in my house, it's very interesting, but we don't have time for it now. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll put it in the notes. Okay, this is Elmi and Asia signing off. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.